Make some noise for him. God, you are awesome. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Before you're seated, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 and 2 simply says this. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. And through their faith, the people in the days of old earned a very good reputation. I don't know about y'all, but I want the life that I live every day to be a life of solid reputation for Jesus. Not to draw attention to me, but to draw attention to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Come on, before you see, let's, let's ask him to anoint our hearts. God, your word is already anointed because your word is you. But God, I ask that you would anoint our ears to hear, our minds to comprehend, and our hearts to receive, and our bodies to put in action what we hear and learn today. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. I want to first say, Pedro and Natalia, so glad to see y'all here Thanks for bringing little Bambino with you. We've, we've missed you while y'all have been out, but we've been praying for your family. So glad that y'all are here today. Amen? Praise God. We will get right in to today's sermon. This is the final sermon in our entrepreneur series. I'm not going to ask you if you enjoyed it because this has probably been the most challenging series that we've ever done. How many of y'all have been challenged? I'm going to raise a foot on that one too because I, I just got like pummeled throughout this whole thing. And today is the, the close of this, and we're going to be going a whole other direction next month, starting actually next Sunday. We're going to kind of get a little preamble into our August series, which is going to get us ready for the close of summer, going into our 10th birthday in the month of September. Can you believe that? NOLA Church has been around for 10 years, and God's doing great things. If you've been here at all, you know exactly where we're at. If you haven't, I'm going to encourage you to go to nolachurch.com. Look us up on YouTube and get caught up on any of the sermons. They've been thick, but I've done my dead level best to stay in the Word of God throughout all of this. And what we're doing in this series is we're looking at the, the business term entrepreneurism. And I'm showing you some God truth that goes along beside this. And the reason that we wanted to lean into this is God did not do everything that he has done from the beginning of time all the way through the Old Testament to him robing himself in flesh and living a sinless life on this earth to sacrifice himself, to resurrect, to infill us with his spirit. God did not do all of that for us just to go through the motions on a Sunday checking a religious box. That's not the reason that Jesus died on the cross. That's not the reason that he resurrected. My friend, I want you to hear today, the reason that Jesus Christ did everything that he did and the reason that he continues to do everything that he continues to do is for you and I as believers who trust, rely, and obey him so that we will begin to expand his kingdom. Amen. Amen. So we've talked through a lot of topics. We started off looking at the entrepreneurial theme of profitability, and today we're closing it out with the entrepreneurial theme of expansion. Everybody say expansion. expansion. Let me ask you this question. In this, in this sermon today, I want you to be asking this kind of in your mind. You don't have to answer out loud. That might be distracting, but I want you to ask this. Is my life advancing his kingdom, or am I just trying to live my best life? Am I advancing his kingdom or, or am I just trying to get mine? And this is where a lot of us find ourselves. And, and let's just be real. Cultural Christianity has leaned into this notion of just live your best life. 
Cultural Christianity has told you that if you're going through something bad, that means God's mad at you. I don't know if anyone that believes that has actually ever lived because like you're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days, right? You're going to have days you wake up and everything's going to be awesome. Then you're going to have days you wake up and by 8 o'clock in the morning it's already 95 degrees and like 4,000% humidity and your car's air conditioner breaks. That doesn't mean the devil hates you. He hates you, but that doesn't mean he's targeted you. And then when you have a really, really wonderful day and like you get no traffic on airline and you get to work and your boss is like, you know what, we forgot to give you a raise five years ago, so we're going to make it retroactive. And you're like, that's beautiful. And then you, you, you go to the ATM to deposit your check and you realize that someone inadvertently dropped $3 million in there. Okay, that's never happened to me. <laughs> but let me just tell you, if that happens, I'm pretty sure that's not God's blessing. And like really on, on, the, on, the, on the heels of last week's sermon, which was all about investment, I leaned into the topic of tithing and I really challenged us like, look at what the Bible says. No, don't listen to the TikTok pastor. Listen to what the Bible says. And I, I made the mistake of actually engaging on one of the social media posts that we posted on my profile. And like I, I got attacked and I engaged like kind of poking fun. Like y'all know me, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna poke the bear if it's there and I shouldn't have done it. And they're like, I'm coming for you. You start talking about God principles and people are like, what are you talking about? Because cultural Christianity has leaned into religion, has leaned into denominationalism, has leaned into theology more than the truth of the word of God. And as a result, rather than the church being there to expand the kingdom of God, the church exists for the sake of the next Sunday. And for so many people, they check a religious box on Sunday. Nothing changes in their life Monday through Saturday. And then they come back to church. Nothing really changes. They, they hear the worship team sing a really good song. And I, oh, 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 I will trust in you. And you're like, oh, that's beautiful. Oh, oh, I will trust in you. And then like Monday morning comes along. And guess what? You forgot about, oh, oh, oh. I'm a, you're like, oh, 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 I ain't trusting in nothing. I'll go wherever you want me to go, God. No, you won't. Because you're just trying to live your best life. You just, like, that's why the sermon on dedications bumped us so hard. Because, like, oh, I don't really want to get dedicated. I just, can I just come to church? Can, can I belong without, you know, being, like, changed on the end? That, that's how we live. Because that's what cultural Christianity has told us. But, I want to challenge us in this. I want to challenge us to go to the next level. God wants us to be entrepreneurial in our faith. And I've said this every week, but the term entrepreneur is not a biblical word. But the theme of entrepreneurism is definitely an aspect of God's character. And what I'm doing is I'm showing you how these business terms actually connect with God's truth. And each week I'm trying to take some things out of entrepreneurism and show you how this directly applies. And so that's what I want to do today. I've got two terms from business that are going to kind of set us up for where God's going to take us today. And the first one is static. Everybody say static. static. In financial terms or in business terms, static literally means stationary without motion. Another word is stagnant. That's a real spiritual sounding word. And then the opposite side of this is what, what in business terms is called dynamic. Everybody say dynamic. dynamic. Dynamic means 
energetic. It means capable of action or change. Another good word that we see in the Bible that applies to this is flourishing. It means it started and it's going to continue to flourish. So, so with these two terms in our mind, let me rephrase the question that I've already asked you. Are you advancing the kingdom or are you simply maintaining your life? When you wake up in the morning, are you asking God, where do you want me to go for the sake of your kingdom? Are you saying, I've got some things to do and if I get done with my errands in early enough time and I've got a few more hours of daylight before I got to get home from must-see TV and my favorite news personality, but like, are you advancing your life or are you advancing your kingdom? And that, that's, that's really where we need to be. So let me show you the juxtaposition between the two of these. We have the static entrepreneur versus the dynamic entrepreneur. So let, let me give you some, some things that really indicate which one these people are. And, I'm, and by the way, you're going to get bumped by one of these because you're a human being. Look at your neighbor and say, last I checked, you're human. If you're sitting next to someone who is not human, please leave immediately and let the ushers know. The static entrepreneur... There's something that really makes the static entrepreneur stand out. The static entrepreneur exists to maintain the status quo. The static entrepreneur just wants to get by. Just don't change, don't challenge. Just If that's the way things are, that's just the way they're going to be. And their lives are literally filled with no significant change in their character, their personalities, or their values. But the dynamic entrepreneur on the other side exists to fulfill the vision. So the static is just trying, I'm, I'm, I'm in maintenance mode all the time. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Just, I just, I had someone asked me, how you doing? I'm alive. Anybody besides me ever had a Monday? I also call them Thursdays occasionally. Like, I'm alive, back off, buddy, or I'm coming for your throat, you know. But the dynamic entrepreneur exists to fulfill the vision. And their lives are filled with indications that they experience significant change in their character, their personality, and their values. So let's dive into this. The static entrepreneur, there's no significant change in, in, in any of this stuff. Like their, their character, their personality, their values. That like... You're not seeing anything of any value. There's minor or minute adjustments, but you're not seeing any advancement happen in their life because everything is just there for the maintenance. Their, their character is oblivious to vision. Someone speaks vision and their character literally dis them, disconnects them from it as soon as they hear it because they have no comprehension of vision because everything is just static information. They, they don't do this anymore because, you know, we watch TV through Hulu and, and Netflix now. But back in the day, back in the day, like when some of y'all were just babies and stuff, and, and I, I was not there. My family didn't have a TV, so I know nothing about this. Right. And I'm not even old enough to know anything about this. But the, back in the day, when you would hit a certain time of the night, they would play the national anthem and the flag would flutter. Well, they definitely couldn't do that now. That like all the TV stations get canceled, but it would it fluttered, and when that was over, it went to just static. 
And if you happen to be one of those people that fell asleep in the recliner or on the couch or you were like uber rich and you had a TV in your room and your room was big enough for one of those big giant console TVs that was as big as the dinner table, like you fell asleep. I was Pentecostal. We didn't have no TVs. There you like we were saved. But anyway, I go to my godmother's house. She was Pentecostal, but she was on the slide. She had her a TV. It was okay. That's where the pastor's kid had to go hang out. It was awesome. <laughs> but like you'd stay up late. Like I gotta stay up late. What happens when the flag stops? Like, shh. And if you look at the TV screen, like you see little changes, but nothing significant is happening. It's just white noise. It's just nothing. But on the flip side of that, the dynamic entrepreneur vision directly alters their trajectory. Everything in their life, every step they take, every move they make. Oh, can't you see? Anyway. They wake up in the morning looking for vision. The first thing that they do is they grab the word of God or they get in front of a good worship video or they, they turn on some good worship music, however it is that they listen. They get in the presence of God and they need vision before they take a step. This is a dynamic entrepreneur. And what, what we see happening is that their character is reshaped every day by the pursuit of vision. Every day when they wake up, the vision of God literally is impacting the things in their life. And the, the static entrepreneur is oblivious to vision. Their character, is, it bounces off of them. And, and, and even in the static, remember, there's character, personality, and values. On the static side, their personality is forged by negativity and fear. They turn on the news and they get fearful. They look at every glass half empty. Everything in their life is literal emotional reaction to whatever is happening in their story because they're static they're maintaining they're just trying to stop the, the cycle from moving them forward they're just if anything changes I'm going to fall apart but the dynamic entrepreneur their personality is influenced by vision rather than negativity and what they have is focused responsiveness anybody ever get bad news you can raise your hand. I'm not coming for you. This is a very inclusatory situation. Anyone ever had bad news? Some of y'all got bad news this week. Was your first response, oh my God, the sky is falling. Or was your response, okay, this is an opportunity for God to do something. See the difference? Yeah, but that second one's not real. Is it not real? Or have we just gotten so accustomed to reacting emotionally that we don't know how to be focused in our response. Oh my God, it didn't go the way I wanted it to go. I think I need to go put my head in the sand and scream really loud. Okay, that's a natural feeling. We all want to do that from time to time, or maybe that's just me. Like when, you're, when your daughter calls you and says, I just got hit in her car. <laughs> Somebody hitting my kid, I'm coming for him. <laughs> Like the first thing in your mind is like, are your legs falling off? 
Can you still move your arms? Is your car drivable? Are you still going to be able to go to work? And then like, do they have insurance? Did they call the cops? Do we have to call the cops? Don't say anything to them, you know. I'm not making this up. This has happened twice recently. I have four daughters. Two of them, two and a half of them drive. Eddie is the safe driver. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my. She's praying the whole time she's driving. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Jesus, 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 why are they doing more than 30? Why would you ever go more than 30? Jade's like, Jade's nickname is Old Lady Jady. Nothing against older people. I are one. But Old Lady Jady, she's just like, the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. We're just going to go on to work here. And she's just like, and Eden is a child after my own heart. She's like, we got Life 360 on all our kids' phones. And like, Olga will look over him and she goes, do you realize that Eden is driving down airline at 95 miles an hour. I'm like, that's my girl. But when you get the bad news, what is the first thing that comes out of your mouth? What's the first thing that jumps in your mind? Doesn't mean you're evil. No, nobody think that. It doesn't mean you're evil, but it is a good, it's a good indication of where you are in terms of your relationship with God. If the first thing that happens is you react if the first thing that happens is an emotional outburst. Remember a couple weeks ago we talked about the check engine light going off. It's not reality. It's just letting you know there's a reality that you need to look at. You need to, you need to deal with this because there is a problem here. Or are you focusing not on the problem but on the solution? Because I promise you it will directly affect your personality. If you lean into the negativity and the fear, your personality will change. But if you start having focused responsiveness through the lens of who your God is, your personality drifts away from negativity. And then their values. We, we talked about character, personality, and values. The static entrepreneur, their values are fluid. And as a result of fluid values, trials and tribulations that happen to everyone cause them to isolate and go into self-protection. If your reaction to the things that happen in your life is, I need to be alone. What is it an indication of? Remember, it's not reality. It's an indication of a different reality. What is the reality? It's a reality that lets you know. It's an indication of a reality that's letting you know your values are not firmly rooted in who your God is. And when you get the bad news, your value set changes. This is why every six to seven months or so, you've got to go in and make a whole list of new disciplines that you're going to go through. This is why every year at the beginning of the year, you, you have a laundry list of New Year's resolutions because your values aren't there. And I'm, I'm, I'm not making fun of you if you have New Year's resolutions. you got things you want to accomplish in here. That's awesome. Go. But if every year you're just repeating what you've been working on the last six or seven years... That's a good indication for you that your value system is not firmly rooted in who Jesus is. It's firmly rooted in your ability to do something or not do something. So that's what a static entrepreneur looks like. A, a dynamic entrepreneur, their values are fixed. Everybody say fixed. No, this side's preaching with me. Everybody say fixed. And because their values are fixed, 
trials, instead of derailing them, trials actually propel them into a place of maturity rather than a place of disillusionment. Okay, let's deal with this. Life happens to everybody. You're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days. Just because you're a believer and you name the name of Christ does not mean you're not going to have trials. You're going to get sick. People that you care about are going to get sick. People that you care about are people that you've trusted and may even pass away. It's part of life. At some point, all of us are going to go into the next life, whether it's in this one or in the next one. But you're also going to have disappointments. People are going to marginalize you. People are going to abandon you. People are going to go on your Facebook and call you names. I experienced this this past week. I cried a little bit. Because my wife wouldn't let me respond. But anyway, no, she saved my bacon. I, if I had responded, it would have gotten nasty. But no, like you're going to, yeah, thank the Lord is right. But like, and I'm, I'm kind of making fun of this because these are the things in our day and age that literally derail us. Someone does something that we don't agree with or someone says something that we don't like. We live in our offenses all the time. Because we're static, not dynamic. Because we're maintaining, we're not expanding. Because we're building our kingdom of maintenance instead of establishing the kingdom of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Because if you're focusing on yourself, you're going to experience everything that's missing in your life. Amen? If you're anything like the rest of everybody in the room, we have things that are not absolutely perfect in our life, right? Again, if you're sitting next to someone who is absolutely perfect, wave at them because they're gone. I mean, they they ain't going to be here too much longer. But if you're like the rest of us and you're surrounded by a lot of imperfect people that have struggles on the daily, are we living in a place of static faith or are we living in a place of dynamic faith that is explosive and energetic that brings us to a place where our character and our personalities and our values are firmly rooted on who Jesus is? I say this a lot. Either he's God or he's not. And if he's not God, let's stop worshiping him. If he's not God, let's stop getting our songs from Hillsong and Elevation and Red Rock and Maverick City. Let's go to Journey and get some of them songs, right? You know. We may have already done that. I'm just saying, but. Like if Jesus is not here, when you show up on Sunday morning, we're going to be listening to the Thriller album or something. Like we're going to get some good music. If Jesus isn't God, instead of gathering in small groups and talking about life, we're going to get together and figure out a way to go make some money. Or maybe that's just me. Anybody besides me need a little bit more money? I'm just speaking. All right, cool. We have some honest folks in the room. The rest of you are sanctimonious. I don't need money. I just need Jesus. Look around at those people because their money don't jiggle, jiggle. It folds. Don't you dare start wiggling up in this church. I'm just saying. Like, here's the deal, y'all. We either worship a living, breathing God or we don't. 
He either resurrected out of the grave or he's dead somewhere in a sack of bones buried under 2,000 years of rubble. But if he is alive, can we trust that everything that comes out of his mouth is the truth of God? I'm sick and tired of the value set in my life shifting with what happens in politics. I'm sick and tired of my favorite entertainer saying something that I don't agree with and my values falling apart. I'm sick and tired of when I get bad news, just like I lose track of all the things that I say that I value. It's time for us to lean into an expansive life that doesn't focus here and now. Like, you've got to think outside of yourself. Pastor, when are they going to do small groups that meet my needs? Never. In fact, if I find out the small group is meeting your needs, I will tell Chris and Sam, cancel that small group. Pastor, when are they going to affirm me? In Jesus' name, they never affirm you. Because if they are affirming you in this life, that means you're not going to the only one who actually can affirm you. It's high time that we stop fixing with things in the world and we lean into the one who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Come on, is somebody going to preach with me this morning? Okay, like four of you, that's okay. So let's bring this down. I'm going to give you a how-to. Anybody like a good how-to? I go on those, like Olga tells me to do something at the house or like, God forbid, she tells me to do something like, go fix this on the car, like, Ain't happening. Jiffy Lube can't do it or Chris ain't going to do it. It probably ain't happening. So, like, I, I want to I be the, like the, you know, the, <clears throat> yeah, I'm the husband. <clears throat> YouTube. <laughs> How to fix <laughs> whatever. Love me some YouTube. I learn all sorts of things. I can't do it. I don't have the tools to do it, but I learn how to do it. I'm going to give you a how-to. Here's your YouTube moment of the week. Edit the video. Put this on YouTube as the how-to. Here we go. How to live a dynamic life in Jesus' name. We'll be right back. Don't forget to like and subscribe. (laughs) How to live dynamic expansion rather than static maintenance. Let me give it to you again. How to live dynamic expansion rather than static maintenance. Everybody turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to be starting with verse 14, going all the way to verse 19. And I'm going to show you how we live dynamic expansion, but we also live a life of godly character with personality shaped by his personality, and we have values that are firmly rooted in who he is. We're going to hit all three at the same time. Y'all ready? Brace yourself, we're going to go 90 miles an hour. Here we go, Ephesians 3, verse 14 to 15 says this. For this reason, this is Paul, the pastor or the apostle to the church in Ephesus. He says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Let me unpack this. I've I've mentioned this several times. And I'm going to keep mentioning this because I want you to understand how to read the Bible. You can't just read it and say, oh, I understand it because I'm reading in English because it wasn't written in English. So there are terms that don't actually apply. And and there's a couple in here that really we need to have a better understanding. A first century Jew would never have referenced God as father. That's a Western idea. A first century Jew would have only referenced God as creator or source. 
Now, there's nothing wrong with calling God Father because our Father is our source, right? That life comes from the Father, right? We need to have a science lesson. Maybe our world needs a science lesson because they don't understand where life begins. Never mind. I'm going to move on from there. But I want you to see something from Paul. He says, for this reason, I kneel before the source. He is firmly letting you know where he's going when he's got questions or when there are problems that he needs to address. He's not going to the world. He's not going to politics. He's not going to entertainment. He's not going to pop culture. He's not going to psychobabble. He's not going to self-help. He's not going to the self-appointed life coach. They got their life coach certificate from the walmart.com. I saw this this past week. A guy was doing a GoFundMe for a book that he wrote, which he, he wanted to get it published. That's really cool. So he's going to publish his book. And the title of his book was, was this, How to Make Extra Money. And he threw it out there on social media. Here, go support my GoFundMe. And I love the genius that responded, maybe you should just read your book. <laughs> just saying. Why are you going somewhere else when the source is right there in front of you? Notice his posture. I kneel, I submit, I surrender everything that I am to the only one who is my source from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Hear hear me on this. Hear me on this because this is so vitally important. You have to learn to submit to his identity so you can discover your own. The world we live in is looking for identity and they're self-identifying and their identities are fluid. Why? Because they don't know who their source is. They've been taught from their first day in kindergarten that they're an accident of collision out in the cosmos millions and millions and billions of millions of years ago and you just accidentally happen to be a tadpole that crawled out of the primordial ooze and like flopped around on the beach and you flopped so much you got a leg. Next thing you know, like... No wonder their identities are fluid. They don't know where they come from. But you got to go to your source. You don't go to the primordial ooze. You go back to the word of God and you learn that in the beginning God created the heaven and earth and that he created man and woman in his own likeness. In his likeness created he them. When you understand who your source is, then you can begin to get a grasp on what your identity actually is. I don't want to offend anybody, but your identity is not in the color of your skin. Your identity is in who you are imaging as you walk through life. I don't know if you're aware of this, but you were created in the image and the likeness of Almighty God. You were created in the image and the likeness of Jesus. So regardless if you've got a good tan or if you're like me and you're so translucent, you're pink. It doesn't matter what your outside looks like. It matters who you were created to display. When you kneel before the source, you first find your identity. So here's the first step. I'm I'm giving you four steps here real quick. Here's step number one. Look at your neighbor and say, step number one. Go to the source. You can preach to me and say, go to the source. And by the way, in case you missed it from the last little diatribe, the source is Jesus, not you or anybody else. Because when you become your own source, you live in your pride. And your pride disconnects you from God and your pride makes you emotionally reactive instead of focused responsive. Don't lean into your pride. 
And, and, and like you said you were going to talk about values. Let me give you the first value that aligns perfectly with this because when you recognize who your source is, you have a value that is established in your life that is simply this, love God. When you know who your God is, it's easy to love him. When you recognize that he is your source, it's not even work to adore him. When you recognize that he is the author and the finisher of everything in your mind, it's easy to say, you're worthy of it all. For from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. Amen, amen. Let's, let's continue on. Verse number 16, he says, I pray that according to the wealth of his glory, he will grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner person. Let me unpack this because I don't want you to miss this because there's a lot in, in verse 16 here. What is the wealth of his glory? The word glory is translated into Hebrew as the Hebrew word kabod. Everybody say kabod. kabod. What is kabod? It, it sounds like something you would get at Albasha on a Sunday afternoon, but no, it's not a kebab or biblos if that's your preference. Like that's not what we're talking about. Kabod is literally the weight of his identity. Okay, it's not who he is, it's the heaviness of who he is. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Do you know who God is? Is he just some second-rate deity in a multiplicity of gods? Do you know him by name? Is he the one who spoke the worlds into existence? Is he the one who formed you in your mother's womb before he ever said, let there be anything? Is your God capable or is your God weak? Is his arm of power short concerning his promises? He'll tell you something, then turn around and lie on it. Who's your God? Do you know who your God is? Because when you know who your God is, you start to feel the weight of who he is. Someone asked me the other day, how, how can you get through the situation you're facing and not literally fall apart because I am not my source and I'm not worried about can my God handle it. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's got everything in the palm of his hand. I'm not stressed. That doesn't mean I don't get stressed and I am blessed, but occasionally I do get stressed. I just decide I'm not going to live in this stress. Instead of reacting, I'm going to focus my eyes. I'm going to fix my eyes on the one who is the author and the finisher, the one who holds everything in his hand. And I'm going to focus my life there. I recognize the weight of his glory, the weight of his identity. He will grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner person. What is he talking about here? You got to go to Acts chapter 2, the baptism of the Holy Spirit exactly why every believer needs the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You can't go through life trying to be your own power source. Every now and then you got to get plugged into the 220 that is Jesus. You need to get filled to overflowing with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, Acts chapter 2 style. And by the way, it's not like this at the end of the service. Confessing that there's God is not the infilling with the Holy Ghost. Surrendering to who he is and he will fill you with everything that he is and well How am I gonna know that I'm filled? He's gonna bubble up out of you and you're gonna say things that you've never said before Because he's gonna speak through you in a language that confirms to you exactly what's happened Here's the deal. You may not understand what happened, but I promise you you will know when God speaks out of you 
Does that mean I don't love Jesus? No, that doesn't mean you don't love Jesus if that's not happened to you. But oh my God, don't stop where you are. Like my good friend Michael Jackson used to say, don't stop till you get enough because there's a whole lot more to get. There's more for you to get from God. You're never gonna have all there is, so stop believing the religious lie that confessing and acknowledging that he is there is all that you need, my friend. You need some power on the inside. You need some power activated in your life every day. If not, your life is going to become static. Your life is not gonna be expansive. And when you hear a vision spoken, you're gonna be like, eh, whatever, it doesn't apply to me. Is he almost done? heard it before you spoke with vision before whatever you know that doesn't really apply to me but you see I've I've had experiences with God in the past and in my past life I I spent many times discipling people now it's my turn to just sit back and let someone else please do me a favor find it here because it's not there if that's how you're living, my friend, it doesn't matter what's happened in the past. Nothing's happening right now. You've moved from a place of dynamic activity to a place of static, stagnant. You believe in God, but your belief compels you and propels you into nothing, and there is no expansion coming from your life. And by the way, when you look around and you see the relationships that you're in, you look for relationships that further your idea about yourself rather than your idea about God. You love people if they're a benefit to you rather than just simply understanding that when you are carrying the weight of his identity, you can't help but love people. And when you start to recognize the weight of the kabod, the identity of Almighty God, that's when you stop being influenced and you suddenly become the influencer. When you walk into life, instead of saying, oh, I've got to be quiet. I don't want them to know I'm a believer. They're just going to cancel me. They're going to make fun of me. And you're going to be like, hey, guess what? There is one God. His name is Jesus. And he touched my life. He changed my life. He set me free. He set my feet on a solid ground. Picked me up, turned me around, set my feet on a solid ground. You're not ashamed of who you are. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power. Do you have power in your relationship with God? Because if you don't, you're not going to be able to have the value of loving people. But when you allow his character to strengthen you and you become the influencer, not the influenced, that's when your love for people is not something that you have to work at. It's simply the overflow of your passion and your adoration of the almighty God. I love God, so I just love people. I love Olga. I'm going to kiss her every now and then. I'm almost 50, but every now and then we got to close the door. Every now and then, we got to go in the kitchen and tell the kids, come watch, I'm, I'm going to kiss on your mom real quick. Because I love them and I want them to see what love is all about and not some fakeness. 
Because this relationship is not established in lust or any part of our bodies. This relationship is established on the identity of who he is. We love him. She loves him more than she loves me. I love him more than I love her. And that overflows in the fact that we love each other and we love other people. Does that make sense? you got to fall in love with Jesus so that you can be the influencer. Let's look at verses 17 and 18. He says, and he's continuing his prayer, that Christ will dwell in your hearts through faith. Everybody say, through faith. So that because you have been rooted and grounded in love, community and union with God, you will be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. And here's where theologians get themselves messed up and people who chase theologians to establish their faith. No one knows what the breadth, length, height, and depth is because the Bible doesn't say. So how am I going to comprehend something? I Like, you want me to comprehend a question, I don't even know what the question is. I feel like I'm on Jeopardy or something. Like, like you, you can't answer questions when you don't even know what the question is. You're not going to be able to comprehend answers when the words of the questions make no sense to you. But here's the thing. When you get so connected to God and you get so rooted and grounded in who he is and you begin to overflow a life that loves other people the same way that you've received love from God, there is a biblical godly comprehension that begins to impact your cranium and you begin to comprehend things about God that he does not even reveal in his word. And when vision is spoken, instead of you looking at your limitations, you're like, God's bigger than that. And a challenge comes and you say, hey, challenge, challenge accepted My God's greater. Something happens in life and instead of you pulling back, oh my God, and going into negativity and fear and looking at every glass as if it's half empty or broken or you never had a glass in the first place, you start saying this is nothing but a diving board for God to jump up and do a double backflip, double swan, turn twist and perfectly into the water and things are about to get crazy in Jesus because I am not settling for anything. I've got a value set that's rooted and grounded in him and I comprehend things I'm not even supposed to comprehend. That's how you can have peace that goes beyond all human understanding. It's falling apart, but I'm just, I'm at peace. What are you taking, Jesus? Are you talking to anybody? Yeah, Jesus. Shouldn't you talk to somebody? Yeah, Jesus. Because when I talk to other people, I get their psychobabble. I get their yammering that has nothing to do with God. I don't want pop culture. I don't want psychology. I want Jesus. I want Jesus to shake me to my core. I want Jesus to deal with the things that are in my past that have made me who I am today. I want Jesus to deal with my right now. I want Jesus to deal with my tomorrow. Because if I don't have Jesus, I don't have anything. So let me, let me give you number three before I just preach my face off here. Embrace risky faith and step into the expanse. Embrace risky faith and step into the expanse. In other words, refuse to be static. I'm not maintaining. I'm not here just going through the motions. I'm not playing a game here. I'm not just trying to live my best life now. I'm trying to advance the kingdom of God. And this brings us to the third value, which is I refuse to settle. If you're still in the same place faith-wise that you've been the last five years, friend, you're settling. God's got more for you. 
If you grew up in this and you've experienced the power of God all around you, but you've never been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, let me be the first to tell you perhaps that promise is for you. You need to get you some. If you're here and you've never been water baptized here in just a few minutes, we're going to baptize Kia in the mighty name of Jesus. And like, I'm, I'm about to tick the whole prayer team off. I'm about to do it. But if you didn't even register to be baptized and you want to be baptized, we have shirts, we have water, you can get baptized. It's been a minute since we had a spontaneous baptism. But don't settle for where you are. Don't settle for what was. Say, there's got to be something more than what I've got now. I'm not going to settle. No, I haven't had that experience. But I'm not going to let go of the horns of the altar until the power of God flows on me. Verse 19 says this, And thus, to know the love of Christ, which is intimacy with love himself, and the love of Christ surpasses knowledge, why do I always rail against theology? Because knowledge is limited. And community is so much better than knowledge. You don't in need information. Information doesn't get you closer to Jesus. Intimacy gets you closer to Jesus. Let's know the love of God that surpasses knowledge. Why, why do I need that? So that you will be filled up. Everybody say filled up to all the fullness of God. Wait, 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 Paul. Wait, what are you talking about? Very good question. You got to go to Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. That the fullness of divinity dwells in the man, Christ Jesus, in bodily form. Who's your source? Well, God the Father. First off, that's not a biblical term. Your source is Jesus because the fullness of the source is expressed in him in bodily form. No, the son is my source. No, no, no. The son's job finished. The redeemer died on the cross. He was buried. Then he resurrected. And when he resurrected, he no longer had the Adamic nature. He resurrected into a whole new nature. And in that glorified body, he houses in totality the fullness of who God is. Well, I find, I find my strength in the Holy Spirit. Good. Guess who? the Holy Spirit is not a dove. It's not the third person in a multiplicity. The Holy Spirit is the breath of Almighty God. It is the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of salvation. Paul calls it the Spirit of Jesus himself. You just shook my theology. You are welcome. It's my job. You've got to go past knowledge. You've got to go past information. You've got to go past teaching. You've got to go past denominational. You've got to go past doctrine. And you've got to get down where the rubber meets the road and say, either you're God or you're not. But if you are I need the fullness, and you got to hear me on this. And this may challenge you, and if it does, I love you. But here, with all the love that comes out of me, Jesus is, capital I-S, everything that you need. Jesus wasn't was, Jesus is, is. He hasn't ceased to exist. Yes, he died in his flesh. 
but his spirit resurrected a glorified body and he is walking around through the annals of time right now saying oh you're about to step in something let me go ahead and create a pathway in that area let me go ahead oh you're hurting oh let me go ahead yeah I'm gonna, I'm gonna breathe my spirit in that situation oh you're going through some loneliness uh, I need this believer over here to connect with you he's already working just like we sang earlier he is working all things for my good if I reckon recognize him as my source so hear me let me give you the fourth one be filled up with the fullness of God not your feelings let me tell you something right now don't come to me and tell me what you're feeling don't because you're living in a lie if you're telling me your feelings because some of you are feeling cold right now and I've got a river of living sweat running down the back of my neck right now. You're not cold and I'm not hot. We're just in different spots in life. Our perspective is different. Everything in culture tells you to lean into your feelings. That's why you're staying stuck in your feelings. Let go of your feelings and watch God become your source and watch you walk up. Well, that doesn't align with my personal belief. That's why you needed to hear today's sermon because your personal belief is wrong. I'm not mad at you. You're wrong. You've been chasing something that's not right here. You've been chasing something Dr. Phil said, not a doctor. You've been chasing something that Oprah said. You've been chasing something that some self-proclaimed theologian on, on the internet says who knows nothing about you and truly doesn't know anything about the Word of God. You need to stop trusting your feelings. Stop listening to society and godless culture to find out how you should feel about something. Don't worry about your feelings. As I tell my daughters all the time, your feelings are liars. Don't listen to liars. And liars go to hell. So like, stop listening to your, to, to your feelings. Your feelings are going to lie to you. Well, I don't like that, Pastor. Good. Then stop listening to it. Stop reacting. Stop. Just stop. Pastor, this is offending me. Good. Again, you are welcome. That's my job because the gospel is going to offend you because it's my job to stand in front of you and say, you're chasing a pop culture idea and you're not expanding the kingdom. That's why your life is stagnant and static and not advancing. That's why six years from now, you'll be in the exact same spot that you are right now needing affirmation from people, needing people to pat you on the head, needing people to come put their arm around you because you never are willing to step out of your story into the realm of godliness where he says, I called you to advance my kingdom. So be filled with the fullness of God, not your feelings. In other words, live his identity. I don't know how to do that. I get it. Because that's antithetical to everything that we are, myself included. But this is why we've convinced ourselves that Christianity is one note. I was reading in 2 Chronicles this week where the Queen of Sheba came to visit Solomon after he had established the temple of God and God began to establish his kingdom. The Queen of Sheba came and she looked at everything that Solomon had. She tried to get him confused. Like she was throwing like 
$13 questions at him, like the hard stuff, trying to like trip him up. And she was overwhelmed at the godly wisdom that was coming out of this man's mouth. She looked around at the opulence of, of the blessings of God. And it wasn't just stuff because she could see that there was actual health in the lives of the people. Let, let me ask you this. Is there health in your circle of friends? Are you displaying the identity of God so much that the identity, the identity of God that's in you flowing out is impacting the spiritual, mental, and emotional health of everyone around you? Or are you sitting around in a circle talking and gossiping about your problems? I know that wasn't popular, but again, that, that one was free. You, you needed that one too. Queen of Sheba says, I look around, I see. When I heard it, I didn't believe it. I heard about it, but y'all, Solomon, you, you, you got to hear me. The half has not been told about what I'm experiencing right now. When I look around, truly, the majesty of God is resonant in this place. And one of the ways that I know is even the people that serve in your courts are happy. There it is. There it is. If you didn't catch it, let, let me break it down. God never designed the church to be a self-help group. God never designed the church to be a 12-step program. God never designed the church to be a counseling center. There's nothing wrong with small groups of people. There's also nothing wrong with godly counsel. If you need it, you should get it. It's, it's biblical. But that's not the church's job. God also never designed you to go through life gossiping about yesterday. That's what freedom is all about. I'm not talking about the small group that we do call freedom. I'm talking about true godly freedom. Because when you experience the freedom that only comes from Jesus, nothing from yesterday has any power today. If it does, my friend, you are still living in the chains of yesterday slavery. God doesn't want you to live like that. God never designed you to live like that. And no, you don't have to talk your way out of it. You need to surrender your way out of it. But I need to deal with this thing from my past. No, no. What you need to do is give that thing from your past to God. Then he'll connect you with the person that he's given the word that can minister to your situation. And then it doesn't cost you 250 bucks an hour. Pastor, are you against going to counseling? No, I'm not. If the counselors are godly. Why are you talking about this? Because there is a rash of bad practice within the body of Christ where we're seeking healing from people who don't even know God. Because we've chased an idea about God because we don't know who our source is. And our lives are not expansive because we wake up in the morning and we're dealing with something that happened when we were four years old. When he says, I want to make you brand new. And what happened when you were four years old is nothing more than a platform to what I want to do tomorrow. Yeah, but it, it tears me down. I get it. I get it. That's why you need to surrender it to Jesus. Because the longer you hang on to it, the more it's a wet blanket that warms you up. You're being comforted by the thing that is killing you. You're wrapping yourself up in your problem and you're warm. And you're like, oh, I, I'm not making fun at all. And I, I'm not trying to diminish the seriousness of the example I'm about to give. 
because it's very, very serious. And it's, hard, it's hurting a lot of people. But there are people that are hurting so bad emotionally and relationally and, and more than likely even spiritually that they take knives and they take sharp objects and they cut themselves. Like, why would that happen? I mean, that, that's, they're hurting so they hurt themselves. And like, seriously, I am, not, I am not diminishing the seriousness because it is extremely serious. But I want you to hear me. The reason they do this is because their body floods the cut with dopamine and it feels good. And the body says, you're not bleeding. You're not hurting. That feels good. And so somebody hurts them and they find something sharp and they cut themselves again so they can dope on their problem. And you see them in their, their arms and their legs, their feet, and in between their toes. And like it, it's, it's ravaged. And the church has the audacity to say, let me put you in a support group. The reason the church does this is because the church does not understand who our source is. We name the name of Christ, but we don't believe him. We say Jesus is God, but we don't trust him. We don't rely on him, and we sure as heck don't obey him because that would just make us so different from everything else in the world. We wouldn't know what to do. And so as a result, someone comes in with a very real problem, and we want to talk about it instead of get them in a presence of God and let the Almighty who created them in his mind before he created the world that hurt them, let him heal them. By the way, this is why believers struggle with addiction. They're doping on their problem. This is why believers hop from relationship to relationship because they're doping on their emotions. This is why they step in one day and then they step out the next day because they're, they're literally completely in a static mode and nothing is firm. Their value set is completely washed out. This is why the things of God are like 10th down the rung. They got no values. But God wants you to have a value set that is firmly established on who he is. And he says, let me show you who I am. If I'm a liar, stop believing me. But if I am God, you can take your life to the bank on every word that comes out of my mouth. This has been a very, very challenging series. Not just for you, also for me. Because God is in the middle of shifting who we are as a body. Because where he is taking us and what he is wanting to entrust to us cannot be carried on the back of something that is stagnant. I don't want to be led into the throne room by worshipers who have no dedications in their lives because they won't be able to sustain the spiritual onslaught and talent won't do it. I don't want a prayer warrior covering me who's filling their life and filling their body with things that distance them from God instead of filling their mouth and their mind and their spirit with the word of God because they won't know how to pray.
I don't want to be surrounded by people that are chasing a contrary vision because that's going to put division in my life. I want to be surrounded by people that are chasing the vision of God. I don't want someone speaking into my story. I don't need a mentor who's going to tell me psychobabble instead of tell me the truth. Because what God is going to speak into this congregation, this hasn't been comfortable, this hasn't been fun, this hasn't been aisle running, this hasn't been hoopla, but no, this is real, this is truth. We live in a world that's hurting and it's dark and it's on its way to hell. And there's no power in the church because the church has leaned into the things of the world. We don't live radical faith because we don't trust Him because our source isn't Jesus. Starting next Sunday, we're doing a whole new series called Changes because God's got some changes in store for the lives of people who are willing to take the step. When we get into the series, here's what we're gonna learn. We're gonna live to learn to live a life that's profitable for Jesus. We're gonna learn to live a life that's dedicated to Jesus. We're going to learn to live a life that's connected to Jesus. We're going to learn to live a life that's intimate with Jesus. We're going to learn to live a life that's invested in Jesus. And we're going to learn to live a life that literally expands his kingdom, doesn't build NOLA Church. I'm not trying to add a service. I'm trying to advance the kingdom of God. I'm not trying to get another position. I'm not. I'm trying to advance the kingdom of God. And it's going to start right here in this room. Here's my question. I'm wondering, is there anybody else who says, I refuse to be okay with the status quo? If that's who you are, I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to throw both hands up. And I want you to begin crying out to Jesus right now because he's got something for you. And he wants to do something in this place.